Oh, good morning. Uh, I was going to say great to see everyone, but hopefully you can see us this morning. It will be great when we can see everyone together in a room and be together worshiping together. This morning, we're going to get into God's Word together, and let me start out with a question that I have for you to start with today. And here's the question. I want you to answer it uh, based on uh, where... um, There we go. I want you to answer this question uh, in your house and in your room, right where you're at. So if you have some people around you, you can answer this question. It's going to be a yes or no question with your family right around you. Or if you don't have anybody with you, you can probably answer it in the chat. And ready? Here's the question for you. The question is this. The question is, are you afraid of the dark? Are you afraid of the dark? And just go around your room, yes, no, yes, no, maybe, maybe someone, someone, some of those kids might be saying, no, I'm not afraid of the dark, and you parents know they sleep with the light on every night. Are you afraid of the dark? I wouldn't say that I am afraid of the dark, but I wouldn't say I'm crazy about the dark either. (laughs) There are some things about the dark, I think, for all of us at times that can be a little disconcerting. When you're in the dark, it's not always easy to remember things that you knew were present in the light. Any parent who's ever walked through a dark room and found a Lego with your bare foot knows that that's the case. Sometimes things you knew that were there in the light you forget are there in the dark. When you're in the dark, it can be hard to know what direction to go and where to go next. You look around, but it's dark and you're not sure where to go. And when you're in the dark also, it can be hard to know if there's anyone around you. There may be someone close by, but it's so dark that you can't tell. But in the dark, it's difficult to know who's there. And when we come to our, uh, this morning, and it's not just true in our physical lives, it's also true in our spiritual lives as well, that at times when we feel like we're in a dark place, we can forget things that we knew were true in the light. It can be hard to know what direction to go, and it can be hard to remember or hard to see who is around us. We all go through uh, not just physical but figurative dark times in our life, right? We we say, I'm going through a dark time, and by that we mean, well, it's hard to know what's going on, and it's hard to see what direction to go next, and maybe it's hard to see who is with us. Sometimes in those dark times, a question that comes up is, where is God? Or is God even present during this dark time with me? We've been in the book of Judges for the last seven, eight weeks here at Mount Hope. And when we started it, we said, Pastor Brian and myself, we got going. We Actually, I think it was Justin and Pastor Marvin maybe that started it. We said that this is a very dark book in the Bible. It really shows uh, people that are walking away from God continually again and again and again. And as we see that, it not only is dark, but it gets progressively darker as the book goes on. And so maybe you've seen this. Maybe as you've been tracking, you realize it started out one way, but then it just keeps getting uh, worse and worse, darker and darker. The stories get uh, more and more harder to understand. If you were with us last week, Pastor Brian talked about this guy Micah who got his own priest and then carved his own idols 
And these are the people of God. And the story of Micah shows us just how far the people of God have walked away from him in worship. When we come to the end of the book of Judges, chapters 19 to 21, which is what we have left, we see how far the people of God have walked away morally. Last week, we saw how far they walked away in their worship and religion. This week, we see how far they walked away morally. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to read Judges 19 to 21 to you. Uh, Partly because it's three long chapters, but also partly because in our present context and with our present audience and with kids present, it's not a passage of scripture I'm comfortable reading in front of little kids. It's not rated PG. It's not even rated PG-13. Most of this content is clearly rated R. Uh, Many people feel like this is the most uh, violent and one of the lowest points in the history of all the people of God. Chapters 19 to 21 is extremely violent. We see degradation of humanity. We see a cheapening of humanity, especially of women. Uh, And we actually see a civil war that comes about in the nation of Israel. In fact, it's so bad that if you watch the Bible Project video about judges, when it comes to chapters 19 to 21, the Bible Project, they simply draw a box and color it in black and write the word disturbing on it. It's gotten to the place where the people of God have walked very, very, very far away from God. Uh, To the point that, as we've said many times in our series, that the book ends on this scripture. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this is the very last verse of the very last chapter of the book of Judges. It ends not only in a dark place, but in a hopeless place. There's no happy ending. There's no they lived happily ever after. There's not even really a lot of hope that's given. Just says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's dark. But thankfully, even though this is the end of the book of Judges, it is not the end of the story. God's story continues on. And I want to talk for you, with you for a few minutes about that this morning, because the very next book in your Bible is a book called Ruth. And I want to look at just one verse in the book of Ruth with you this morning, because Ruth really continues the story. And really, I don't even want to look at one verse. I just want to look at seven words in the book of Ruth for a couple minutes this morning. And there are seven words that even if you have been a Christian for many years, even if you grew up hearing the story of Ruth in the church, even if you've read the book of Ruth many times, I'm going to guess that you have not taken notice of these seven words. In fact, you probably skipped over them, not even realizing they were there, not even paying much attention to them, just moving on to what was next. And I'm going to guess that's true about you because I know it's true about me, that I have not paid very much attention to these seven words at all. And yet, when we look at them this morning, my next guess is that you will never look at them the same again. 
that these seven words, anytime you read the book of Ruth from now and in the future, will stick with you because they present not only a key to what's going on in the book of Ruth, but they actually present the key to what's been going on in the entirety of the book of Judges. And they also give us an answer to this question of what do we do when we find ourselves in the dark or what, is, what can we know about God when we find ourselves in the dark. Ready? Here's the, here's the words I want us to focus on this morning. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this, In the days when the judges ruled. In the days when the judges ruled. These are the seven words that I want us to focus on. This is how the book of Ruth begins. And if you've read it before, I'm guessing that you never even really noticed that. And yet, here's what we know. That everything that the book of Ruth tells us in these next four chapters happens in the days when the judges ruled. In the days when it's dark, in the days when there's not much hope, in the days when it seems like men are just fighting each other and and there's no hope and God doesn't seem to be present, in the days when the judges ruled, Ruth. And here's what Ruth says, if you're not familiar with the story. I'm just going to recap it very quickly for you this morning. What Ruth is, is it is God taking his macro lens that we've been looking at this big landscape in the book of Judges, and we've seen people fighting and tribes fighting each other and rulers and kings and a nation being disobedient. And he takes this lens, and if you can imagine this panoramic lens all of a sudden turning, shifting, and zeroing in on one family at one particular time in one particular place, That's exactly what the book of Ruth does. In the days when the judges ruled, the camera pans and zeroes in to a little town that's not really much known about or talked about. It's a little town called Bethlehem. And it zeroes in on a family with a man named Elimelech, his wife named Naomi, and their two boys, Malon and Chilion. And they're living in Bethlehem, and there's a famine in the land. And so Elimelech decides that in order to keep his family alive, he's going to go to the next nation over. He's going to go to the land of Moab, and he's going to get food for his family. And so he takes his wife and his two boys, and they go over to Moab. And in Moab, here's what happens. The two boys find wives, and they get married. And they marry women, one named Orpah and one named Ruth. But here's what also happens in Moab. Elimelech dies. And so do his two sons. And so Naomi is left with her two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah, in a foreign land. And she decides that the best thing to do would be to go back to Bethlehem. She'd go back in shame. She'd go back with nothing. But she'd go back to her own people. And she heads back, and Orpha decides to stay in Moab, and Ruth says she's going to go with Naomi. She says these words that may sound familiar to you. She says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And they head to Bethlehem, and Naomi and Ruth show up, and they're dependent on the grace of God and the grace of the people around. And Ruth starts to glean or pick up... uh, uh, 
wheat and grain that's been left over from the harvesters. And she picks it up and she brings it back to Naomi and they make some bread and they're able to sustain themselves with some food in the meantime. And it turns out that the field where she was picking up grain is owned by a man named Boaz. And Boaz, I'm going to shorten the story quite a bit, eventually ends up marrying Ruth. And Ruth and Boaz come together and suddenly now Ruth and Naomi are taken care of because they're part of Boaz's family. But here's how the book of Ruth ends, very different than the book of Judges. It ends with what we call a genealogy. That is an accounting of generations. And it ends with the genealogy of the child that Ruth and Boaz have together. Let me show you how the book of Ruth ends. It says, now these are the generations of Perez. Now, you don't know Perez, but let's just keep going. Perez fathered Hezron, and Hezron fathered Ram, and Ram fathered Aminadab, and Aminadab fathered Nashon, and Nashon fathered Salmon, and then this, Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz, with Ruth, fathered Obed, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. This is the very last word of the book of Ruth. Jesse fathered David. So we go from the end of the book of Judges that says everyone did what was right in their own eyes and there was no king in Israel to the end of the book of Ruth that ends with Jesse fathered David. And for those of you that may not know, David was the greatest king uh, that Israel would ever have. But more importantly, even than that, 1,300 years later, Matthew would write another genealogy. And it would include the genealogy that we just read, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of, by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. But then it would go on generation and generation and generation again and eventually come in Matthew chapter 1-1, it would say, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. And we go from judges ending in darkness and hopelessness, we go to Ruth that says, in the time of the judges, Here's what was going on. There was a family. And God was watching over that family because in that family, eventually through that line would come a man named David and then eventually through his line would come the greatest king of all, Jesus. And God's working out a plan that his savior and the hope for the world was coming about and it's coming about in the time of the judges. And so here's what we can know about God. And here's what we can know in the dark. In the dark, you can know that even when you don't see it, God is at work. In fact, we've been singing a song the last couple months at Mount Hope, and maybe some of you have heard it on the radio, that Waymaker song, and that's one of the lines of the song. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't see it, God is at work. There's perhaps no other place that this is clearer in the scripture than when we look at the book of Judges and the book of Ruth together. That it looks dark, 
We can't see what's going on. We don't understand it. We're going, God, where are you? And yet when we start to look at Ruth chapter one and that short little book of Ruth, what we realize is we didn't see it, but God is at work. He's at work bringing about his plan. He's at work bringing about a plan of salvation through Jesus Christ for all of humanity that would put their faith and their trust in him. God is at work when we don't see it in our lives. It's true in our world in a lot of places that that there are things going on behind the scenes and we may not see them, but they're happening. Uh, Recently, I was at a a stoplight and I was at, I don't remember even where it was, but I do remember it was an older light because this is what happened. And some of you that have been driving a long time may understand what I mean by this. I pulled up to the stoplight and it was red, and there were no other cars in any other part of the intersection. And I had to sit and wait for the light, even though there were no other cars that were waiting to go. And it made me realize that this was an old light, because I am so used to our new lights that work on cameras, that work on algorithms, that have all these things built in, that when a car comes, they turn green or red. And, and this light was an old light that I didn't have that kind of technology. We have a gentleman at Mount Hope who works uh, with traffic and, and all the traffic patterns and everything, and I'm always interested to hear him talk about the technology behind a traffic signal, that there's cameras that are up there that are seeing in all directions at one time, and then there's computers and algorithms and data that's been processed over time to know exactly how many cars go through, when they go through, when the light needs to be changed, when it needs to go to green, when it needs to go to red, and keeping all these things in place, and all these things are happening behind the scenes just so I don't have to sit at a red light when there's no other cars at the intersection. All these things are going on and we don't even know it. And I think about that in relation to this, that God is at work behind the scenes in your life and my life, even though you may not see it. Let me just give you a couple places that I just want to, as we close, to look at where is God at work. God is at work in your life, even though you may see it, not see it. God is at work in your life individually, even though you may not see it. In your life, you didn't get into that college that you thought you wanted. You didn't get that job that you thought you wanted. What I can promise you is God is at work, even though you may not see it. You're stuck in your home right now. It wasn't your plan. And maybe finally you hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, have you watched enough Netflix yet? Have I stopped enough things yet that you will take time to look at where I'm at work in your life? Not just individually, though, but collectively, in our families, in our churches. I asked my kids this week, you know, what are the blessings that you're seeing in our life and in our home as a result of this unexpected circumstance? One of my kids said, we're in the house and we're having to have conversations that we may not have had if we weren't in this situation. We're having to talk about things that we may have avoided if we weren't in this current situation. God's doing something in your family husband and wife, that you were able to avoid conversations before, but suddenly you're stuck in the house and God's at work in your life and in your marriage. God's at work in our church. I think he's causing us to ask questions. What is it you really need to do as a church? And what are the things you've been doing that you need to let go of? God's at work through us to teach us how to love him, love each other, 
bring his hope to the world and care for the needy. God's at work globally, and sometimes we jump to this. I think he's got a message for our world. And sometimes as Christians, we jump to, what is God saying to the world through all of this? And I think he is saying something, but don't miss the first two places. Don't forget to ask where he's at work in those first two before you jump to the global question. But I think God is at work. He's stopping things, and I think the main message he may be telling us is stop putting your hope in everything else and look for the one place where you really can find hope. And finally, God is at work eternally. And that's what we see in Judges and Ruth. He's bringing about his big picture, big plan. He was bringing about a savior in Jesus Christ. And so now he's also bringing about his big picture and his big plan. And he is at work even though you cannot and may not be able to see it. He was about bringing about the plan of Jesus Christ coming for the first time. And he's also going to continue his plan. This doesn't hinder it of Jesus Christ coming again. So God is at work, even when you don't see it, God is at work. In the days when the judges ruled, God was working. In the days of COVID-19, God is working. And I believe we're going to hear some stories about that in the future. Let me share with you one quick email that someone sent to me at Mount Hope as we close this week. And I asked her for permission to share this with you, and she said that I could share it. She writes this to me. She said, I thought you would like to know that God is opening doors in the middle of this critical situation right here in our neighborhood. She says, I sent a letter to all my street neighbors stating that with everything that's happening lately, I was thinking that it, would, it might be a good idea to create a network of people on our street that could help each other in case of emergency or need. Also, to help seniors or people with medical conditions on our street. People answered, and now we have a street group online. This gave me opportunity to call all seniors during the week, some people I never had talked to before, and talk with them. Today, God gave me opportunity to talk about his great love in one of my conversations with a lady. I pray that he continues using his church for his glory his love endures forever. God is at work. I think we're going to hear more stories like that. I think short, in the short term, we'll hear stories after this is over that in the days of COVID-19, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. In the days of COVID-19, I put my trust in the Lord. And my prayer is that 30, 40, 50 years down the road, there may be a grandmother and a grandfather sitting around talking with their grandkids, telling them about the hope they have in God and saying, in the days of COVID-19, God saved our marriage. In the days of COVID-19, God provided for us like we had never seen before. And in the days of COVID-19, we saw God at work. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you at this time and in this place. In these various places where we're gathered, we come to you in a place of trust. And God, we ask that you would help us. We believe, but help our unbelief, because sometimes in the dark, it's hard to see. And sometimes in the dark, it's hard to trust. But help us to see in the dark what we know has been true in the light, and that is that you are at work in the midst of our lives and in the midst of our situation. And we say this in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. So we have a couple moments here. We're going to discuss uh, a little bit uh, of, of what we're talking about here. And I think, as I think about this, I think for, for uh, myself and for you, and, and for those of you who may not know, when we plan sermons, we do it as a team. And we have a pastor that joins us from Freedom Hill Church in Malden. Pastors Anders Eliason joins us as well. And I think for all of us, when you look at the story of Ruth and you think about that story, uh, we felt like we knew it. And there's that phrase, right, that in the days of the judges or when the judges ruled, all of this happened. It really opens up a a new understanding of this book, that all this that's happening in Ruth is happening in this book. So then the question becomes, um, where where else do we see God do this in Scripture? Are there other places that we can think of where God is clearly at work, even though things are dark, God is clearly at work in Scripture? Where are the other places that this is true about, about who God is, do you think? Yeah, um, so often we think about God working in the light. (laughs) But I thought about this. I thought, where else? There's got to be other places where we see God working almost in darkness. And I think one is uh, Psalm 139, where it says God formed you in that unseen place. It's really that Mm -hmm. dark place. Before anyone knew, God was knitting you together in your mother's womb. Like that's God at work where no one sees. But then perhaps the one that's most obvious and the one that's coming up is you think about Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, but that Saturday in between, that kind of dark day where we didn't know what was happening Right. And, but God was at work. God was bringing about his ultimate set plan of salvation on a day when most people would say, God's not at work at all. Right. And it was really dark. Right. Those are the couple that, that I can think of. Right. I mean, there's, there's so many places where when we can't see something, we assume it's not happening. Mm. I know, I, I, you know, I read articles, I've read articles where you have a workplace bias, where you know the work that you're doing, but you assume that if you don't see other people working, and this may be very true uh, in your context right now, if you can't physically see other people working, you assume that you're outworking them. We all have that bias within us. And I think the same can be true with God, that if we don't see it in a way that we feel like it's appropriate or perceivable, that we can assume that God's given up on us. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I've heard from so many people over the years, well, this happened in my life, so clearly God's not at work in my life. If he exists, clearly he's not at work because something dark has happened. And I, and I think it's, a, it's such a helpful reminder to be reminded that, hey, Judges is incredibly dark, right. as you mentioned, but God is working a plan of redemption that goes straight to Jesus Christ right. through Ruth. And the other one that came up in my mind is creation. God yeah. speaks into the darkness right. uh, into creation. Exactly. Uh, one last thing that I'll, one last question for you, and that is, uh, what, does it, what does this look like practically, do you think? If, if I'm living my life day to day, and I know you, you mentioned this a little bit, but just, just for us as we try to process this this week, like Monday, tomorrow, what does it look like to live uh, in a different world, but really believe that, that God's work of redemption is, is happening? What does that look like right. for us? I think, as I think about this, I think it means working and moving in the dark just like we do in the light. And that's trust and that's faith. It's me, just like I said, it's that student that wanted to get into their college and didn't get into that first college they wanted, but continuing to believe, God, you have a plan, you're at work, you know better than I know, and so I'm going to pursue the next step 
I'm going to go the next, you know, whatever's next. I'm just going to continue to trust that you're at work. It's not abandoning the God that you knew in the light even when you're walking in the dark. I, I, I don't know if it's any more complicated than that. It's continuing yeah. to trust uh, that, um, that God's leading you even when you can't see as clearly as you'd like. Yeah, just keep going forward. Keep, keep going. Keep that next, living the life. That next right godly thing, right? There's a book out right now, popular, do the next right thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, do the next godly thing. That's right. Do the next faith thing, right? And I think that's so important for this time for Christians is, is it's not just what's the next good thing we can do for other people during this time, but what's the next godly thing we right. can do? Because God's working out a plan, not just of doing nice things for everybody, but God's working out a plan of redemption, which includes nice things for everybody, but right. is much bigger than that. It's about salvation through Jesus Christ. So how do we work that in to our day-to-day lives? I think it's so, so important.